Hi everyone and welcome to a new episode of Paratalk and I'm joined by Becky and Galantine who um, I don't think you could say that she's your average ghost hunter. Hello Becky. Hello thank you for having me. That's all right welcome to uh, Paratalk. Um, yeah so I wanted to contact you for a while because uh, I've listened to a few episodes that you've been on with different shows and um, yeah you've got a you've got an interesting take on the, the paranormal and hauntings and stuff so when did the paranormal sort of become relevant in your life? So I I grew up in an antique store my childhood was spent sifting through dead people's things in old Victorian houses. So that idea of the afterlife was impressioned on me at a very young age. I won't say that I had a ton of paranormal experiences then because I'm just not the person who saw a ghost when they were a kid or anything like that. It wasn't until 2009 when I kind of was joking around with some friends and I said, let's go up the road and ghost hunt. It was close to Halloween. It seemed like something fun to do. And I'd seen people do it on TV. So we walked up the road to a local graveyard. All we had was a flashlight. We didn't even have a recorder. We had a cell phone, a flashlight, and a point-and-shoot digital camera. We were just like, let's see what we can find. And after about 15 minutes of sitting there, you know, I know today it's all about patience, but back then I was like, this is ridiculous. We're not going to see anything. I don't know why we even thought we could. And we turned everything off. So the irony was that we gave up and we were about ready to go home when I caught something out of the corner of my eye. And it was a full sphere. It was aqua in color and it flew across the sky, but not high enough to be something that was like a meteor or comet. And it hovered in between two trees. And I said to my friend and my brother who were with me, I was like, did you guys see that? And they were like, Becky, calm down. Like, stop saying that. You're just messing with us. I'm like, no, I literally saw something. We had about 15 seconds where it was hovering in the trees before it changed direction. So it almost made a right angle and came down. It was as if everything stood still. There was no wind. There were no sounds. And this ball of light just came in between my friend and I, and I know they saw it too, because we jumped in opposite directions. So as it came in between us, it wasn't shining on a surface. So it was free floating and then just kind of went into the ground. We were obviously very frightened because I, I didn't know at that time that there could be like a more human approach to the paranormal. I had never seen anything paranormal. After that, I remember going to school the next day. I was studying biology. I looked at my professor and I said, do you believe in ghosts? And he said, no. And I had this smug look on my face. Like, I know they're real. I know because I saw something yesterday. He just was like, that's not real. And we're, we're, we study science here. And that made me lose faith in what I was studying, to be honest. I still had an interest in a methodical approach. And I try to bring that into the paranormal. I still like to think about things from like the scientific perspective. But at the same time, it made me feel like I'm being taught things here that dismiss my own experiences. And so then I started showing up to class late and I was kind of investigating every day with friends, trying to get that experience again. And obviously it doesn't work that way. And there was a lot of time spent in old school houses, barns, um, old Victorian houses where we didn't have that experience uh, until maybe five years later when I had something else like that. But that's what sparked the interest. Interesting. Yeah, it's kind of um, being a young person and having an interest in the paranormal. I was a little bit like you. I was younger, had a few things happen, and that kind of sparked my interest. And of course, television as well. You watch TV shows and you, 
you, you you know you you get into it um when you're a young person i think you're a little bit more open to stuff you're a little bit more naive about the world so it's you know you you're more easily gonna sort of believe stuff and sometimes that's a good thing sometimes that's a bad thing uh so i think when you're younger you get into the paranormal and it either sort of sticks with you and it you move on you get older and it sort of grows with you you learn you educate yourself about it and then you realize that there's a there's an awful lot more to it than what you know you first thought oh, it's just a ghost that's clearly that's the paranormal it's just a man with you know something with a sheet over its head um but when you sort of start to learn about it and start reading books and educating yourself did you find that were you become sort of more of yeah you had more of a knowledge of it did you sort of start to sort of second guess yourself and think well i had an experience or i've had an experience since then could it have been something else could it have been me could i have tricked myself do you find that you know is there's is that a possibility i have in 10 years four experiences three experiences that i'm i'm sure of or experiences that i take out of the file cabinet and look at less than often the mental file cabinet so there, there are a few of those, but I was consistently revisiting, especially the sphere, because I think that my belief in the paranormal and my journey in the paranormal is a fluid experience. So if I applied what I thought I knew then to the experience, that doesn't mean 10 years from now, I can't check up on that experience and think about it. So I agree with you. And um, I, I like that you said that because I have thought about it for a moment. I thought about it as ball lightning. And I was like, maybe I experienced ball lightning. And would I regret that I misidentified that as paranormal? No, because it still got me interested in the whole field of research. But I think it's important to be open and I'll always be open. There are experiences that I'm certain of, but if someone found a way to say, hey, someone tricked you that day and those feelings were not genuine, I would be open to saying that's okay. And um, in these, in, in that situation, I reopened it multiple times and I can remember they were at pivotal points in my paranormal journey. And the first one was when I started to realize everything's not scary. And I, I looked back at that experience and I'm like, that wasn't scary. And then a few years later, I realized like familial connections to the paranormal. That was at a cemetery where I actually have a familial tragedy right outside the gate of that cemetery. And now I believe could that have potentially been my relative who passed away at that site saying hi, someone I was very connected to just hundreds of feet from where I saw that. So I think it's important to keep it as more of a fluid thing than this hard evidence. And you can still apply analytical data to that, of course, but at the same time, yeah, I'm always open to relooking at that. It's good to sort of look at it from a a, a semi-scientific point of view but also look at it from the point of view where you have an experience and maybe even if that experience wasn't 100% what you thought it might have been as long as it something positive comes from it then it's still a positive experience um so you, you mean you grow up you get older uh you, you educate yourself a bit you, you get into the paranormal what what kind of avenues did you sort of go off into because I know that um you've had other exp- I mean, you. Let me just. You are a licensed mortician, is that right? Mm-hmm. So, you know, that's a that's a weird sort of uh, skill set to have. What is that? Does what? Where's the relevance there with the the paranormal and that? Did what? What came first? I mean, obviously, you you, you do your paranormal, but where does that play a part in your whole the whole sort of you know the Becky sphere? 
I wouldn't say that I wouldn't have ethics, but I would say that if it weren't for my experience in the mortuary field, that I may not have the ethics that I do or the human approach to the paranormal that I have earned today, where people see me telling jokes or getting involved in investigations on a conversational or lighthearted way. Now, I think it's okay to be light when it's appropriate, but there have been investigations where I've got down on my hands and knees and just basically cried and been very open to whatever may have been communicating with me. So I don't want to dismiss those kind of times, but I had lost a friend in 2018 and I was very close to this person and it made me think dead is dead, that she's never coming back. And I didn't really think about the paranormal or afterlife in that way. And then I pursued my degree in mortuary science, worked through the pandemic while exploring the paranormal in these stories of Victorian grief and the way that the mourning process was much more complicated. People were keeping corpses in their houses. Mm. People were having, you know, viewings in their homes. And I just started thinking about it in a different way as if these may be people or something attached to life after death. While I was pursuing my degree, I was hearing ghost stories from people who work in the mortuary field. And that's what made me say, if this person that sees a dead body every single day is able to say they also feel that there's some sort of paranormal connection, that kind of piqued my interest because I felt like we're sci- we're scientific. We, we do embalmings, we use chemicals, and we put people in the ground. How could these kind of people be acknowledging this? And um, there's a nuance to it because you can't be speaking with grieving families and acknowledging the existence of paranormal because it's kind of, it, it may complicate grief in a way and it's not really talked about. My first acceptance that there may be something after death that's tied to these people that we knew in life was visiting a medium in Salem, Massachusetts. I had been in the middle of my studying my education and I stopped at this mediums and I was like, I don't, I don't know if I believe any of this stuff. And I don't know if there's any possibility of this being more than like basically a fortune cookie. Like I didn't understand. And I sat down with this woman and she had no idea about me. There's nothing on social media about this person. And she said, I see someone with you that had blue hair. And if you look at me, like, I don't think you would just look at me and say, she has a friend who passed away recently that she's trying to connect with who had blue hair. I I just don't see how that could have possibly been guessed. So I started being more open and I'm okay with accepting that that was a really lucky guess for her, but it did make me more open to the idea of the spiritual realm and the, you know, paranormal world being a little more human than what I've seen on television. I was going to ask you, one of my, one of my questions on my list uh, to ask you was your thoughts on uh, psychic mediumship. Um, what, what's your thoughts on that? Because there are, there is a, you know, I've, I've, I've met mediums. I've met people who are uh, psychic on some level and some are, um, I'm not going to say some are, you know, I'm in touch with uh, Bob the dead, you know, he's my spirit guide and he follows me. i not like that, but some people are, they're more humble to it because they say, well, I have, you know, I get feelings, I get impressions. Um, I can go somewhere and I'll get a certain thought or a certain feeling and I can, I'll have to convey it in a, the way that I can convey it. They don't have all the answers. They can't tell you the, the winning lottery numbers or anything like that. 
is there a part of us that um uh, in some way is able to meet certain people and pick up on maybe how they feel or their thoughts on a week are we conveying back to them uh, their their subconscious wants and needs in some way now i'm not saying that that is a thing but i i sometimes think that is it a possibility that we or 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 is it you know or is it dead grandma that's come back and who's giving messages i think with mediums and psychics it's a very confusing area because the person who's conveying the message is like well i'm telling you this and you either believe me or you don't believe me and i must say yes there are cases out there that seem to defy uh, logic when you listen to the full story and that's the problem a lot of people they don't listen to the full story they only listen to like you know the the, the snippets and go well yeah that's just that's nonsense so i'm wondering what what's your thought on that how, how do you think it works I have met a lot of mediums and I've met a lot of people who claim to do this. And I will say that more than half of them, I wouldn't endorse. And that's not to say they don't mesh with someone that really liked them and mm. have great experiences from that. But I have had people who, I don't know how to explain it. Like they just click in this way and I believe them. And I've just had things that weren't possible happen in these situations. I, I don't have the answers. I don't know how they do it. I, I wouldn't keep calling them if I knew, you know, and I, I try to figure it out. I try not to be too skeptical of my friends. I will test one of my greatest friends, Seth, is a fantastic medium. And I occasionally will, you know, message him and say, what did you see? And in no context, because I don't want him to think, either way, like I had a negative experience or a great one and he'll get something right. And I'm like, how did he know I was asking because something went horribly wrong? And it's, it's been a really great um, relationship in that way. Uh, more recently, I had another experience with him where I had asked uh, for some insight on an investigation and he was able to say, I see this person. And at the same time, we got a sensation. And when we went to look at the confirmation after I used my equipment and he, we got off the call and I used my equipment and we, we went and did some research. He got it exactly right. I'm like, how is this possible? Nobody, this isn't even an advertised death that occurred here. And it, it wasn't the person who died. It was the person involved with this death. And I'm like, how could someone possibly come up with this information with having no insight? So there are things like that I'm not sure how that person, I, I can't explain it. I do agree with you that we can project when we're investigating, we can project into the investigation. So why wouldn't we be able to telepathically kind of, like you said, give the person these thoughts that they think we need to hear and relay that to us? Yeah, it's an interesting one. I, 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 kind, of, I kind of liken it to the poltergeist phenomenon. Some people say, you know, clearly it's a, it's a demon. Uh, and other people say, well, maybe it's young children who are have got some sort of telekinesis or psychic powers that have, you know, when you're at a certain age, you have mind over matter. You can move things. And you, you're not doing it uh, consciously. You're doing it uh, subconsciously, which is, I think, even more frightening because you don't have any control over that. You know, that that's what's happening. And, of course, when you get to a certain age, when you get to that age where uh, you start to got indoctrinated in school and the in your in you know the thought process of the certain way to think that you lose it and it goes away i don't know you know once again it's a it's a the whole speculation of uh trying to sort of 
find what what is and isn't but when i look at, at mediumship and psychics i think yeah there are I, I totally agree there are cases out there where there are some psychics and there's some mediums that have been around and are still around that when you listen to what they say and uh, you know their their success rate you think wow that's what's going on there but there are a lot as well that you're a bit mm, i don't know uh so um yeah uh, i just yeah something there's definitely something weird there uh don't know what it is i mean we could go into the realms of um evp itc you know with the that's a kind of a form of electronic mediumship i think uh i don't know who's doing the uh the mediumship there i don't know whether it's the person that's doing the experiment uh or it's uh whatever's imprinting itself onto the audio you know i'm i'm, I'm i'll be honest i'm a little bit of a, a my next question is basically gadgets and uh you know gizmo things that you take on a, on a on an investigation i noticed that a lot of ghost hunters these days they're starting to rely quite heavily on electronic equipment um you know there's loads of ghost box and all that stuff. I'm I'm a little bit old school. Uh, if you say to me, uh, there's a house I want you to investigate, uh, what you're taking, I'll say, well, I'm taking my sandwiches, my coffee, a camera, a tape recorder, a notepad and a pen, and that's about it on me watch. So, you know, and don't tell me anything about the place because I don't want to know. Because once you front load me, you might, I might as well not go. So what do you think about all the, the gadgets? Do you think it's a good thing or do you think it makes people... A little bit lazy. You will often hear me say in private conversations that I could take my spirit box and pun it across the lake. I always joke about just throwing it away because I do have experiences that are tied to these devices. One major one that was 45 minutes of intelligent communication that I couldn't debunk and I sent to a circuit of people to debunk. So I can believe sometimes in the equipment. But the majority of things, especially on social media, you're giving us one facet of an investigation and you're not telling us that before the REM pod or whatever was triggered that you felt goosebumps or you heard a noise or something else had happened because a one seemingly relevant response is not enough to convince me, especially with all the gadgets that are out there and the fact that they're coming out and they just seemingly go into effect immediately. So I do have these ga gadgets. I use them, but I'm never going to be like, this is entirely this unless I have something that's like so undeniable or it, it went over multiple sweeps and I can't explain it. But the yes, no responses on spirit boxes, certain, you know, digital recorders, I just can't allow myself to believe or rely entirely on that. One of the first interviews I did, I actually got torn apart in the comments because I, I'm new to representing myself as someone who believes in ghosts publicly. And I had had my content submitted to this platform. And I had said when I went to the Conjuring House in Rhode Island that I like to feel things as viscerally and organically as I possibly could. And all I brought was maybe a pendulum and a talking board. And even then I just like to experience haunted places for what they are. And so a lot of people feel like maybe we're not getting enough investigating done because I'm not grabbing a ton of equipment, but I like to chat with my friends in the haunted space. I like to sit in the dark and see if we see anything. I like to sit with the lights on and see if we see anything. I remember reading the comments and just being disheartened when people said, 
I stopped listening after she said she liked to experience the paranormal viscerally and organically. I'm not talking about mediumship. I'm talking about, I want to see what I can experience without that stuff. Now, another issue that you'll see is if you're not seeing anything or experiencing anything right away on an investigation, all of a sudden people are reaching for a ton of equipment. Like, oh, no activity, but if we introduce all of these objects, suddenly there's activity. That doesn't really make sense it's not lining up to me. And I've been on investigations where I'm like, I heard a noise in this area. I thought I saw something. Let's bring the equipment then. And it can facilitate an investigation potentially, but you know, it, it, the reliance on it is purely for entertainment. In my opinion, I have to agree with you. For example, I went to a castle many years ago with a group of people. It was uh, like a day out. Let's go to a haunted castle. There was a few of us, but not enough uh, people to be too many. And uh, we didn't take any equipment. Back then, you didn't, you didn't take stuff. You just, you just went somewhere. You didn't need to take anything because when, as soon as you walked through the doors, you could feel like you just stepped back in time. It, it wasn't as if, like, oh, I'm in a time warp or anything like that. It was more like I'm experiencing maybe this building as, it, as all the things that have gone on there, like hundreds of years. I mean, the building was five six hundred years old it was it was it was quite an old building people had families had lived there they died there people were murdered there there was all sorts of you know crazy stuff going on and there was there was an there's an oubliette where they would throw people down and leave them to die and and there was you know bodies would be down there well there wasn't bodies there at the time but you know in the olden days there was put it this way i'm uh you know I'm, i'm a i've got my castle and I'm a, I'm quite a wealthy wealthy chap, and I don't want anyone messing with me. And I have uh, somebody owes me money, and I want to make an example of them. So I bring them to my castle. You know, uh, got me got me heavy men, and they bring them in. And then I go, well, okay, chuck him down the hole, chuck him down the oubliette, and I'm gonna I'm gonna eat my dinner. And he's down there with his broken legs, screaming and you know slowly dying. And I'm thinking to myself, all that emotion and energy that's going somewhere. Um, don't know where it's going, but it's going somewhere. And all those years later, when you go in that building, you know you haven't got to be a psychic, you haven't got to be have have magical powers, but you can go in that building and you can think, I can feel something. I can. F- it feels different. It's like I'll tell you what it's like. It's when you go in a room and you turn the telly off, and you the whole atmosphere of the room changes. It's it's that kind of feeling where it's you, you it it's something I don't know. It's very hard to explain. So yeah, I I believe that. The tools that are out there, your apps and your, you know, your, uh, your, your spirit boxes and stuff, yeah, they can add to an investigation. But I think that there is a there is a chance that some people might would sort of rely on it. Oh, it said my name, so therefore that that's something that happened. Now, if if a ghost said my name, then I would I would take note because being quite a weird way, my a last name is my first name, so. That would be quite interesting. I've had responses from EVP, from voices that literally sound like they're in the room with me. But I don't know where those voices came from. And I don't know if it was a real person or a person that had lived before or or I'd somehow mentally imprinted onto the audio to hit. I'm hearing what I want to hear. So, yeah, this leads me on to something that I was going to ask you because I know that you've been to some... I suppose it's a it's a kind of word that we don't like to use these days. But lunatic asylums they were they were a thing, 
and you know let's not the past is the past and it's history and you know it is a thing and they were lunatic asylums and you had um for example of course waverly hills was a more of a a place you went to recover and it was a, like a uh, tuberculosis hospital wasn't it um yeah. those kind of places you've been to so did you kind of pick up or feel anything like that when you were at those places i'm gonna be honest when i have visited some of these huge haunted locations i sometimes wonder if because whatever is lingering feels as though they always have the option to communicate because they're open to the public in that way that maybe they don't feel it as though it's so urgent to communicate when I'm there. Because I'll be honest, I've spent any amount under the sun to be in some of these big locations that are, you know, uh, historically haunted. Mm. And I'm ne never going to say that they're not haunted. But I will say that a lot of times I end up with a quiet night. And it's so interesting because I get all these expectations like, oh, there's so many stories from here. I will say that the ones that have been open to the, the public, like Waverly, are the ones that I haven't really had any experience. I want to, and I'm open to, and I'm still going to keep going there because I don't think one or two nights is enough. It, it is a different feeling than, let's say, a speakeasy from the 1920s where everyone was partying and having a good time. So I think there's like this multifaceted feeling when you go there. And my personal perspective before was that these these people are locked up and mistreated all the time and everything that lingers here is this tormented spirit that just can't leave or feels like they can't leave and recently did some digging and found a new perspective on that because i'd read firsthand accounts from people who had had family in these locations because they didn't just end in the victorian era or the you know late you know civil war era or even later on they continued until the 1920s, 30s, 40s, into the 70s for a lot of them. And some are still operating today. So we think about hauntings. How about these places down the street in Hartford where our asylum is now still a an operating mental health hospital? So you can't just stop the haunt when it's convenient. And what I had been looking into is that some of these places operated almost as like a village where they had a job. They didn't have to pay rent. Um, the government funded their care, their food was there, they had friends, they had a, a place to be, and it felt like a home to them, especially as you start getting into the 50s and 60s. And especially the one in Connecticut, they felt like that was their home. So when the funding ended for these major asylums, and then they started being abandoned and advertised as haunted locations, I do believe some people went home that day and they never really recovered because they lost their society. And those spirits, I believe, are still at these locations who actually love them and didn't want to leave. And it's not all about the horrible things that happened there. But I will say, uh, you know, I had a good a conversation with my friend Chris and he, you know, we were talking about, is it just because they look a certain way that we feel this or are they genuinely haunted? Because more often than not, especially the ones we are experiencing more, it, it is like, it is this haunted or is it just because we have this idea of the place and i, I think it's a mixed bag mm. i'm listening to you there and i'm thinking when you think of those kind of buildings and uh yeah you do think that those people that have been that, that were in, institutionalized they that, you know, that was their life they they had a routine they maybe had a their life was somewhat dysfunctional before they went went into it and then they became sort of institutionalized they had their routine every day they did a certain thing 
And if you could imagine that that was their kind of safety net and they had a people around them, they had their they had their community of people where they maybe didn't have friends before, they weren't introverted, you know, and uh, they had those people around them. And then all of a sudden it's like, yeah, we're, uh, we're going to close it, so you're going to have to go somewhere else. And I can imagine if you're quite a timid person and you've gone through a lot of uh, upheaval in your life to know that your place, that your home, because they're going to look at it as their home, is suddenly going to be taken away from them and they're going to be maybe put with a family that they don't know, they've no idea. That could have a massive psychological effect on them. They're going to lose all their friends or their friends are going to be moved away. Uh, yeah, I mean, and then, of course, there's the, you know, as you, you you as you touched on as well it's like you know well when you die it's like well you want to go somewhere that you are most happy and so they're going to go back to th- that you know they're going to go back to the the asylum we look at it yeah oh it's covered in ivy it's got ghosts it's uh, but to them it might be the most lovely place ever that's where they feel most happy and that's where they want to be um it, you go on to the whole afterlife uh you know scenario where you say to people, uh, well, you know, if you know, if you know you're going to die and you know there's something afterwards, you know, it's going to be what you make it. Uh, it's going to be if you want to have that cottage on the hill, you'll get it. But you it, you must want it. And you or because everything is going to be it, it's going to be like a dream. You know, it's going to be like when you're dreaming, you're going to create your own reality. And if you're a, a negative, dark person, you're going to have that. You're going to create that and you're going to be stuck in that kind of cycle of that 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 horribleness so it you know it, I mean, it's all speculation i'm just talking it's just words really but at the end of the day it's uh it's good to sort of uh you know put these things on the table and talk with other people and get their opinions what what i was going to say to you was we've been talking about asylums and and stuff like that and yeah they have that kind of dark kind of that dark vibe you know um when have you been really scared like proper thinking I don't want to do this anymore so I went to a I didn't really accept the ideas that uh, of being negatively affected or having like any sort of bad experiences in any places like this until March of this year I went to a haunted location and everything went horribly awry. The first night it was like the place had come alive. We were getting these ITC responses that were actually, they were sentences long. We were amazed. Like someone was like, where are you at in the room? And it's like standing at the door. Like it was just so clear and lucid. And I felt so hopeful for this evening at this, this location. Um, This is actually the Belair house in Ohio. Mm -hmm. And there have been a there's a lot of stigmatization towards the hunting there because it's unbelievable how the people were affected by it. But I had gone in gone in with the impression that nothing would happen. Now we went out for the day, we had lunch, and then we went to go to this metaphysical shop. I remember buying a Labradorite ring and putting it on, and I ate some Mexican food and I was ready for the second night. I stepped out of the bed and I stung, I, I stepped on a big black wasp in the middle of, Fe- it was February actually, now I think about it because it was cold out, there was snow outside. How mm-hmm. am I stepping on a wasp? So I felt this feeling of isolation from my group when they had done nothing to isolate me. And we went to the, the living room, uh, the seance room, and we started investigating and I got out a pendulum 
And all of a sudden, it felt like my body had gone from 110% to 0% energy. And I'm like, what is going on? And everyone was like, are you okay? And it was like, they said the people watching from home said they could see the expression change on my face. And I remember thinking, I just need to walk out and ground myself. So I don't know if you do any grounding exercises, but imagining yourself protected and, and roots. And Mm -hmm. I'm like, I'm going to do this. But unfortunately the grounding exercise wasn't working because I had a big swollen foot from the, the beast thing. And so I called a friend and they kind of gave me some insight and another friend who had spent eight days at the location. And at this point I'm crying and I said, I can't ground myself and I can't figure out why this doesn't happen to me on investigations. And I eventually, after about an hour kind of came to, went back down and rejoined the investigation. And then whatever had occurred with me had started happening with another girl that was present and a very similar experience. And at the end of the night, we all ended up staying in the same room. There were like five or six of us and we were just terrified. I remember staring at the door and to this day, I can't definitively say if that was paranormal, if that was um, a, a chain of events from anxiety or whatever, but it, regardless the emotions that were felt that evening, I was staring outside the door through the crack of the door with the light on outside while everyone else slept my eyes open, just like, I'm done. This is it. Like, I don't want to do this anymore. If this is a possibility, people are like, I told you so. And so I called my friend who was a medium on the way home. He gave me some insight. I was so terrified that I was salting my feet and, and I, I'm not that kind of person. I'm not like carry protection, blah, blah, blah. But now I do. And I give it a little bit more weight than I had before. And I haven't had an experience like that since I never had one before, but that was like the one time where I was like, I was genuinely terrified because I I wanted to stop crying. I wanted to enjoy myself and have fun with everyone. Yeah, I think um, when you do go into these places, and of course, the sub our subconscious is a great way of scaring us because we can always make things a hundred times worse than what they might actually be in reality. But um, when you do go in these places, it's always um, sometimes with a little bit of uh, trepidation where you walk in and you think, uh, you know. Are all those things that everyone says true? Uh, is Am I going to be the one that's going to get picked on? Am I going to get pushed down the stairs? Am I going to get poked in the back? So, yeah, I think that um, there is, uh, you know, there, there's always a, a way of a little bit of respect. I mean, I'll be honest that I do have seen some investigations and I've, I've got some friends that, you know, they've been on investigations and they don't, they they do not take it seriously. It's to them, it's just a it's a laugh, you know. And it's uh, let's uh, let's big it up and and you know shout with the ghosts, you know. Uh, I I think that um, you have to be a little bit a little bit level headed when you go into a place that you don't know. You do, you've not you know you you're not going to say that uh, nothing's going to happen. You're not going to say that something is going to happen. But you always have to be prepared if something does happen, you know to understand what is happening to the best of your ability and it's that's why it's always good to have other people around you in case something does happen just in case they might see it as well um when we talk about the paranormal and ghosts and all those kind of things um i was just wondering that um okay so this is a bit of a weird question uh and i want to ask you it because i want to see what response that you give me because i think it's quite a funny question and i've had it asked me before and you know uh, I don't. I am. I don't know. So when we talk about ghosts and we talk about 
seeing stuff. We usually see uh, a ghost maybe, you know, oh, he had a, he looked like a knight or he had a, a the lady had a big flowing dress on or whatever. What, why do you think it is we don't see uh, caveman ghosts or dinosaur ghosts? What, what, what's your thoughts? I mean, just, you know. I'm still at the point where, you know, I'm learning every single time I go out that the way energy is manifesting itself is never going to look like what I thought it would. I always wanted to know. I thought there was like a master list what I would see when I was investigating, which was like orb and, you know, white ladies, spectral, you know, and, and I thought I could memorize these definitions the way we would a dictionary. And I'm realizing that that's not how it is, but I do think a lot of people are stuck in these boxes and they're not trying to see anything like that. They're not open to the idea of seeing that. So then why would they record it as paranormal? Because I've had experiences where I did ex- um, the first time I saw a shadow figure, it actually had come into my house, but I didn't know what a shadow figure was. So I was like a man who smelled like mothballs came in my room, opened the door and then went into my roommate's room, touched him and then went downstairs and never left the house. That's what I told people happened in my house. And afterwards I started looking into like negative entities and I I didn't quite feel like that would fit it. And then, you know, people started telling me about shadow figures years later and I was like, okay, that makes sense. So if people don't know it exists, they may be seeing something like that, but they're not open to that idea. Or maybe they're not looking in the location where it would be, because where would the cavemen ghosts be, you know? Well, yeah, that's that's uh, true. But uh, on, on a side note, I have a, um, a friend I used to work with, and it, she was playing with uh, her friends when she was a child uh, years ago uh she you know as you do you go over the building sites and you uh you know mull around and play about and uh she walked into a house with a um they were playing like you know hide and seek and stuff and the houses were part built they weren't it was an estate a, a housing estate that was being built but it hadn't all been built and uh she said uh plain as day a completely straight face um she goes yeah i walked into because she said oh, i saw a ghost I said, what did you see? And she goes, well, we were playing hide and seek and uh, I ran away from my friends and I found this house with no door on it and I, I walked into the what was going to be the kitchen and uh, there was a man stood there. And I went, right, so just basically some tramp that had gone in. No, 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 the man was dressed like a Viking. And then I turned around and just shouted to my friend. I turned back and he was gone. And I'm like, hmm. okay, all right. So um, I didn't expect that. So yeah, um, and she swears blind that she saw this uh, Viking fellow in in a middle of a housing estate, and uh, in stood in the kitchen of a uh, half built new house. So I don't know, I wasn't there, but yeah, and um, she was completely truthful about it. She was like pretty proper adamant. So I'm thinking that this is just a theory, uh, and this is not my theory. This is just a theory that's out there, uh, possibly that the reason that we don't see um uh ghosts of a particular era now there are people have seen apparitions of roman soldiers and that stuff so that's going back a few thousand years but maybe the reason we don't see them from all from from millions of years ago um is because that energy as is no longer around now the reason i say this is because there are apparitions out there stories of apparitions that people have seen over the years and you know 
firstly, you know, that people see, they say, oh, many people saw it. You see it most nights, you'll see this apparition. And then as the years go on, the decades go on, people see it less and less. And then it's, they don't see the apparition anymore, but they still hear it. They still hear it walking or whatever. They still hear the sound, but they don't see it the, as an apparition. So maybe it's, you know, going into the realms of stone tape that what they're actually seeing is a some sort of energy replay uh, of an event that took place or happened. And that um, as time goes on, like a battery, it wears down and it gets, you know, it gets fainter and fainter and fainter until, you know, however long it takes it completely dis- dissipates. So I don't know. I'm I'm not a scientist, but I'm just chucking things out there. Um, so yeah, uh, what's your take on that? I've actually heard that same theory is that, you know, at first once when the energy is there, it's there, but maybe every time we experience these spirits, as sad as this is to even discuss this topic, maybe we take a little bit. Maybe that vision pulled a little bit of that or Mm. or whatever you know the stories stop getting passed down so the thought of them is no longer there or something like that um i i've thought about that and you know there's places where it's been like oh it's so so haunted and then i go there and i didn't experience anything in the last 20 people i know that investigated this location didn't see anything but i i do think there are people that see you know things you know, more recent that make me believe that people are open to seeing things that don't look like what you expected, like people seeing ghosts from the 80s and things yeah. like that, not just the Victorian ladies. And I, I do think that's a possibility. Obviously, that as we've said this whole time, it's all theory and discussion. And I, I've heard that. And I think it's a possibility, just like anything else, just like when I have a relevant response that I think could be paranormal, I'm also willing to say maybe maybe not well as we're uh rapidly coming to the end of this episode i'm gonna get a uh, uh a final question in uh it's a kind of a uh a, a multi-question within a question uh so i know that you know the paranormal is your thing and you do go out and investigate stuff and as we've heard in this episode you've had experiences and your thoughts on it I just want to go in the realms a little bit of uh, cryptos like uh, Bigfoot and UFOs. What's what's your thoughts on uh, on on those side and those sort of things? So I my background started in mysteries when I was 15 years old. I remember staying up late at night and I couldn't consume enough of cryptozoology. I couldn't consume enough of unexplained phenomena. I wanted to know about the Manhattan Project. I mm-hmm. wanted to know about the devil's footprints in Devon, where they walked, yep. you know, over the houses, and and everyone couldn't figure out where they came from, and they still don't know. And then there's been other instances of that. So, in in my opinion, I don't think it's possible for us to know everything or identify everything or to know everything through every timeline of what existed or if something like peaks into a ripple for a second and then goes back to something else. We, we just don't have an answer. So for me, I'm always going to be open to it. I've, I've never seen Bigfoot. I've never seen the beast of Bosnia. I've never seen any of these cryptids other than, you know, gaffes, but I, I do believe there could be stuff out there. We, we still discover new species. So um, I'm not, sure if I definitively have an answer for that. And that's why it's unexplained. But I'm also not the type of person that goes 
oh yeah, I believe in ghosts, but I don't believe in Bigfoot or, you know, anything else. Yeah, true. I think, uh, on the realms of uh, the paranormal, I think it's in some way it's all connected. Uh, you got the uh, your UFOs, your your Bigfoots, and your um, your ghosts. I think they all kind of hang out together at some point, and and even to the point where you know maybe maybe Bigfoot is a little bit of a ghost sort of alien paranormal, and uh, that's why people sort of see him and then they don't see him, and he's a he's a big fella, but he seems to appear and disappear and doesn't seem to make much noise. But um, who knows? I don't know. It's uh, certainly no harm in looking. Yeah, um, uh, the guys that go out there in those uh, uh, national parks and and go hunting for them, they got a, they got you know they got some, uh, they got they they got some uh, go in them to do that. I don't know if I I don't know if I could do that. So uh, I don't know what would happen if I came face to face with something like that. I I think that it immediately rewrites your reality of uh, of of the way that we live and. You know, uh, I, I think that you're completely, uh, you see things from a different point of view, like people who, you know, they say they have uh, alien encounters that can completely rewrite their reality and um, they they just have a completely different outlook on, on the way they see the world and the way they see everything else. But uh, anyway, Becky, so what uh, have you got in store for the rest of 2022 and have you got any projects or anything on the go? Oh boy, I am all over the place. I'm kind of in like kind of a frenzy right now where people are like, can you do this? Can you do this? Mm -hmm. And sure, yeah. So I'm working on a haunted hotels project with uh, my friend Sam Baltrusis and a few other great investigators, uh, Ron and Lourdes, and, uh, who are really great at ITC research. And what we're doing is a live stream in investigation where some people are located at home and we're talking about maybe doing, you know, remote things and going over the history of the location. So that's kind of like a little project that we're all working on together that I'm excited for, as well as investigations. I'm kind of just all over the place. I don't know where I'll be next week. I believe uh, this Friday, I'll be at St. Albans Sanatorium in Virginia, and I have some talks coming up. It's just been kind of a frenzy. And I always tell people, you know, when you're in the paranormal, you can't run ahead. You got to kind of walk alongside spirits and not step on them to try and get yourself somewhere. And I'm, I'm certainly feeling that right now where I'm just kind of like, why does everyone want all this stuff from me? But I'm excited. I have uh, I have a lot to see and learn this year. Excellent, excellent. So I know that you've got your uh, you got your social medias and that you got your Instagram and stuff, and of course uh, those links will go out with this uh, with this episode, so people can look you up and uh, and get in touch if they need to. Uh, but once again, thanks very much for coming on this episode of uh, Paratalk. It's been uh, real interesting, and I'm sure in a few months, once you've been out and been doing your thing, we'll get you back on and uh, get a recap and see what you've uh, see what you've been up to and see if you've had any more uh, strange experiences. Anyway, everyone, paratalkpodcast.com. It's uh, everything's going to be on there, and uh, until next time, thanks again, Becky. Thanks everyone. See you soon. <laughs>